Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Off Mic, Off the Record. I'm Aaron Bentley, your host, and joining me this week is the three names that would be William Clark Green. What's up, my friend? But we're on a mic. Okay, so this is where it gets confusing. <laughs> but we are on a mic. The whole premise behind Off Mic, Off the Record came from, for 10 years, during the live show, everyone would always ask me, when you guys go to commercial break, what do you talk about? Uh, the real stuff. The real stuff. Yeah, for sure. And then I would also tell them, you know, and you we, cuss. And we cuss, <laughs> which we can do now cool. because we're podcasting. I understand that. And so they were always like, you know, what do you talk about? And they would be surprised when I'd say, we talked about the clean bathrooms or where you were at last week. They didn't understand. They couldn't comprehend that there was something not just, you know, hugely magical going on. I was like, it's just life. That's all. Yeah. We just catch up. Yeah. Catch up about you know, the BS about what's going on. Yeah. And it's always the fun thing. So like with you, uh, you came in from the farm today. Yeah. And down in Eastland, you yep. got your farm, and you just told me your mother recently gifted it to yeah, you. Yes, my mother uh, gave me the farm in Eastland, which I lived at for five years, and I've been slowly destroying it, uh, dem- demoing it uh, for the last 10 years, and um, and just didn't put money into it because I didn't, you know, I didn't really own it. And so, um, yeah, she surprised me on my birthday uh, in May. Uh, and I cried. It was really, really special. She knows how much I love the place, how much it means to me. I'm really the only person that goes out there. My brother-in-law goes out there a little bit, once or twice a year. Um, but I got there. I mean, I'm gonna, I came in from today. I'm going to go to Fort Worth tonight and then head back tomorrow. And been remodeling the house and uh, just trying to get it to where, you know, my girlfriend can stand, stand out there. <laughs> That's the important part. Yeah. So, uh, but I absolutely love it out there. And um, yeah, it's just, it's been our family so long and, on my dad's side, I'm very, very fortunate. The family that I was born into uh, with my mom and dad. My dad's side of the family has some property in Beaumont, um, and I go down there quite a bit. But this place was just my dad has nine brothers and sisters, so this place is is really just my mom's, and so it's and it's and it's uh, and her brother, and uh, it's been our family's. My my grandfather's father bought it years ago. Um, so multi generational, yeah, and so. Uh, it's just a, it's just more personal. Like the place is personal. It's not really a hunting camp. Uh, there's a bunch of deer out there, but it's not a hunting camp. It's just a farm. It's just a farm. Like I have cows out there. I've got a couple of donkeys and, um, it's just a place to, they built it for the retirement place. My granddad grew up there and they moved back after, uh, after he retired and they spent the rest remainder of his life there. And then my grandmother, after he passed away, she moved to Houston, uh, to, to, live in assisted living and party with all the older people. And then she ended up passing away a couple of years ago. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just kind of like, uh, just carrying the, feel like I'm carrying the torch, you know? And so trying to treat the place with respect and, and, you know, that kind of thing. But at the same, the same time, you still want to modernize the home, the home a little bit. Well, it's not really modernizing it. It's just keeping it standing. Like, uh, the way they built it back in the day, they built it with cedar. Uh, they built all cedar paneling on the outside and there's no OSB, and it was rotting away. And so it was like, I'm sure I mean, it's just kind of like, Hey, we have to do something if we're going to, if, unless it's going to, it's going to start falling down, you know, it's getting to a point where the studs were starting to get weathered and, um, termites were kind of taking over and it's just, uh, yeah. And so we had to do the entire house. We had to resheet it with Hardy board. There's actually a trailer house inside of the house, which is kind of bizarre. Uh, the trailer house was the initial house out there when they, uh, when my grandfather was living in Abilene, he put, pulled a trader house out there because the original farmhouse had, had been, it was not repairable. And, uh, and then they just built a house kind of around the trailer. Yeah. House. So I had to demo the trailer house from the inside, from the inside, take it out. 
piece by piece. I mean, out of whatever could fit out of a door or a window, that's I had to break every piece up piece by piece. Now that's some serious work. That's more than just a little and TLC. I, and I could have pulled the entire shutter house out, but I'd have had to take down two live oak trees that my mom and my grandmother planted. Yeah, no, that's not happening. And I just, you know. You can't do that. I can't do that. So, and they're huge, you know, they're massive live oak trees. And so, um, yeah, I just took it out piece by piece. And then, yeah, I had to bring a concrete truck inside the house because it was bizarre. Yeah, I had to pour concrete inside the house. Because well, it, it was dirt. It was dirt floor. Yeah. And so, yeah, they just kind of built, they just kind of kept adding on to it. My granddad built a shop and next to it. And it's just all, it's just kind of crazy. So now I've got kind of two houses. One, it's a one bedroom house, like 800 square feet, one bedroom. Uh, living room, kitchen, two bath on once. And then there's a probably a 50 foot uh, carport. And That's it, massive. It's huge. And then, uh, and then the other, where my granddad's shop was, I turned his shop. He had, my granddad was a magneto mechanic and uh, I turned those into three rooms. So pretty much a room, living room, bunk room, and then in the middle and then another bedroom. And then it's got a half bath over there. So, uh, but the breezeway is so huge. It's kind of like, you know, I'm going to put an outdoor pool table and I was about to say, you have tons of room to yeah, in there. And I'll, I'll park all my equipment in there, you know, my tractors and stuff and in, in there. And then whenever I'm there, I pull everything out and I have this huge open, you know, breezeway. It's really, it's really unique. It's on a four acre lake that my granddad had uh, dynamited for, uh, for rock. They actually, the Eastland airport is uh, all of our rock underneath is under the Eastland airport. It got, it got, um, I guess mined. I don't really know how they, I guess harvested or harvested. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. They got it all from the lake quarry. So we have two four acre lakes in the place and the house is, sits over one and it's got a, this beautiful rock wall. It's like a miniature, uh, miniature possum kingdom is the best way I can describe it. And when are we going striper fishing out there? <laughs> well, there's no fish. I've, and that's what I've been working on. So it dries up and it's been such a wet year. This last couple of years has been so wet. When I first moved there, we were in the drought. And so it was completely, um, dry. And all the fish my grandmother had stocked it with were dead. And so uh, I've been hesitant on spending, you know, it costs like, cost like a couple thousand dollars to to put fish in there. And I've been hesitant to spend the money. Well, after all this flooding we got, we got tons of perch that have just run off into it. And so me and my buddy have been fishing and we just bought an aerator and we're just transferring fish back over. We're fishing over at my other buddy's place and we're just keeping all of the small ones and taking them and, you know, cause his, his tanks overran with it. So he, we're taking, so we have 15 bass right now. So, and I have not caught one on Vodok yet. But. Because they're probably hiding from you. <laughs> or they didn't 15. make it. <laughs> bass are pretty resilient when you Man, talk about being in water. I was actually pretty shocked on how quick we lost a few of them. We lost two of them. And I was actually kind of shocked on how 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 quickly they died uh with an aerator too but we had like 10 we had like five fish five or 10 fish in a five gallon bucket with an aerator thinking it's going to do something so. okay a five gallon bucket's yeah. a little bit of a small of an environment <laughs> to hold them in man so i tell you we went fishing our son was uh on leave a couple weeks ago from the military and we went down to whitney to go fishing do some striper fishing and uh my lovely wife over there first fish of the day striper this big wow do y'all keep the stripers yeah. Because they're sterile, aren't they? Yes. They are sterile. Yeah. or Yeah, they are sterile, I think. Because it's a hybrid. Yeah. Yeah, it's a hybrid fish. It's a hybrid fish. But and you tro- do y'all troll for them or do y'all? So this is the cool thing. And I don't want to give away all the secrets. So we go out there and, you know, the guy's with us and he's like, okay, we got a couple couple spots marked. Let's go hit them. And the old adage of be quiet while you're fishing. No, that's not what happens. He pulls up and he goes, all right, I want you to drop. Two two reels, three reels off bottom, and he gets the big, huge like um, offshore rod and reel. 
throws it in the water and just starts beating the shit out of it all over the place. Like he's calling the fish up. Really? And guess what? They must be attracted to noise or it's something. It's attracted to like a thumping noise. So if you put the rod in the in the water and you do like a real fast like motion like that, like ba 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 ba. And here they come. Wow. And I'm talking, we're just picking them off. So I've only been sharper fishing once, and it was me and my buddy. He had this little John boat. He called it the little dinghy. And uh and we just we drank beer and we had our poles outside the boat and just we just trolled. You can like, do that too. And and they would just hit them. You can and I was like, that's it. my favorite type. Like anytime I go offshore fishing, like I like trolling. Like that's my favorite because I just don't, I don't personally don't like reeling down 300 feet and then reeling back up to see if your bait's still there and reeling down. Like I have to have action. That's why I like, I like catching bass and stuff like that too. But yeah, trolling's fun. Cause you can, you can drive, you just drive around and drink beer and wait till something hits it. And then that's kind of fun. So it is super fun. The, the guilty part about us, we drink no beer that day. <laughs> why not? Stupid stupidity. Just forgot it. We didn't bring any. We thought that somebody else with us, we had a bet that they were going to bring oh, the beer. Oh, yeah. Never rely on a friend to bring beer. Um, and then if everybody brings beer, then the it's, more, a, it's a good party. So now here's the cool part about this story. I can look back and laugh on it now. Walking, getting on the boat dock, walking down there, I fell through the boat dock. Oh, God. Steel boat dock, expanded metal. What happened? Did you cut yourself pretty bad? I saw that. Yeah, I actually saw that when I walked in. Dang. Lucky number seven right there. Lucky number seven. So that was before or after the trip? That was on the way to go get on the boat. Oh, man. So kind of ruined your trip for you. Eh, I made it work. Yeah. I found some hand sanitizer. There you go. Cussed like a sailor for a good 10 minutes because hand sanitizer sucks. (laughs) And then I was like, damn, I really wish we had some beer. (laughs) <laughs> of course we didn't yeah or whiskey or vodka or anything stronger than beer would have been nice lesson learned so this property this farm that you've got and i'm going to screw this story up because you've told it to me before and you've probably said it on air many times you guys were having band practice and was it she likes the Beatles? she likes the stones that came from that yeah so we would show up like on sundays and just kind of rehearse band rehearse and we didn't have a pot to piss in back then. This was right after Misunderstood came out. Probably a year after Misunderstood came out, which we thought was going to be a really good record for us. Which, it, what, looking back, it really was. We were just expecting, you know, we we were in the age of watching Josh Abbott, right? Yes. So that's where we came from. So we thought that's how, that's how it was. We thought you come with a record, and then all of a sudden you're playing for 3,000 people. Because yeah. that's what he did. And, like, we just that's what we, that was kind of like, that's just what we knew. And and people don't realize when we were starting the music business, it makes me feel so old. The internet was definitely there. Facebook was definitely there, but it was not a stream of information like it is now. It wasn't a tool used like right. it is now. Like we, when we were touring, we map quested, we had to print out the directions uh, whenever, and there was no like pictures. There was, this is before Google took pictures of everything on the planet. Like when you went somewhere, it was the first time your eyes would ever see it, you know? Um, and, and so our expectations back then were like, you know, we come out with a record, it would everything would just take care of itself. And that's just not the case. And honestly, that's such a rarity. And I, I can think of guys that that's happened to, that's happened to Abbott. It didn't happen to Randy. A lot of people think that Randy, they busted their ass for years before, years. before uh, it happened to Randy. It happened to Parker. It happened to Co. 
And those are such rarities uh, when that happens. A lot of guys tour and tour, tour, and slowly, slowly gain ground. And, and, and that's just what we did. We slowly gained ground. But anyway, so we, we honestly didn't have a pot to piss in. And, and, um, and we were just hardcore touring, blindly touring, just going wherever the wind would blow us, wherever, whatever gig we can get, 300 bucks, 200 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever. Didn't matter. Four hour, we were doing four-hour gigs back then. And, uh, and yeah, we were playing Monopoly at like 3 o'clock in the morning at the at the farm and uh and uh, my drummer at the time who plays on every one of my records except for he didn't play on uh he didn't play on Dangerous Man but he played on every other record um his name is Jay Saldana and he forgot to call his girlfriend well she calls at like three o'clock in the morning and she is drunk and she is pissed and so he he walks away from the t- Monopoly table and uh and he's getting just getting his ass chewed out. And uh, he comes back to the table about 45 minutes later, and he asked me for a cigarette, and I gave him a cigarette. He asked for a lighter, and I gave him a lighter. And his first, like, the first breath of smoke he breathed in, he just he just kind of slammed his phone down. He, like, slammed on his, his fan on his phone, slammed his phone down, and he was like, man, she likes the Beatles, and I like the Stones, and I just don't think it's going to work out. And Because they were all into that stuff. Like, they were huge Beatles and Stones fans. That was like my drummer and my bass player. There was like that's they they lived and breathed it. And I personally, I I, I could give a fuck about uh, the Beatles or the Stones. I mean, I appreciate it, but I don't listen to it. I'm not going to pretend tell you that I listen to it all the time. I can definitely appreciate it. I know where where I know what it's done for music. Uh, I just I, I wasn't in love with it. Like they were, they were passionate about it. Yeah, super passionate. And for me, it was it was acknowledgeable, but it wasn't like I liked I liked Randy Foster and and Guy Clark and stuff like that. Yeah. That's what, that's what I was passionate about. And uh, <clears throat> and uh, and yeah, just when he said that, I was like, man, well, that's such a cool like. Because you either like the Beatles or you like the Stones. You don't like both, really. You know, very rarely people like both. They either love one and hate the other, love one, hate the other, whatever. And it was just kind of a cool idea. And I just, I stumbled in the back of the trailer house that I was telling you about that I demoed. And, uh, I just wrote on a yellow pad, wrote down, pretty much wrote the course right there. And I tried to finish writing the song, but I just couldn't, I knew this, I knew the chorus was good. Uh, but I didn't, uh, I didn't, I couldn't finish writing the song. So I asked Brian Keene to help me finish it. And he really turned that song, the verses and, and, and got just turned the song on a different axis and um, he actually wrote the last verse of that song solo by himself. Uh, he wrote that verse first. And, and then worked on everything. And, and well, he wrote it. And then uh, and he was like, I really like this verse. I want this verse to be somewhere in the song. I don't know where it belongs yet. But it was he wrote it pretty much about his wife, Rachel Loy, who ended up being our producer on that record. Uh, our first record, first, first record with her is Rose Queen and then Ringling Road, which were our biggest records. So it's kind of like it fell into place. Uh, uh, definitely was like praying for help and like looking for guidance and, and any kind and that song, just the way it happened was kind of like, it's fun. The band didn't want to record it either. They thought the song sucked. Could you imagine? Um, sir, that's a <laughs> song and it's done well for you. Yeah. It's our biggest song. And then, uh, they actually, you know, Ringling Road was the same way. Um, they didn't want to record it either. They thought I was going to ruin our careers. Um, uh, but I'm just so fortunate to have songs like both of those songs that are so kind of out of the box that like, I don't feel boxed in as a songwriter. I feel like I can literally write any song uh, except for a rap song. And my fans would be like, they'd be like, what is he going to do next? Like they're looking forward to seeing what 
we're going to come up with, you know? Uh, I feel like some guys get boxed in the, you know, boxed in and you have to, you pretty much have to write the same style of music every time you come out of the record. But what I love the most about my career is the freedom to, to, I don't have to write just country songs. I don't have to write just rock songs. I don't have to write just, uh, storytellers. Yeah. I, I can do, I kind of can do whatever. I kind of have a smorgasbord of, 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 and every song has a lot on, every album has a lot of different things on it, which is so much fun for me. Cause I know as a fan, like as a fan, when I hear a Chris Knight record, right? I don't want to fucking, I don't want him to explore. I don't want to hear something different. I want a fucking Chris Knight record. Cause you want somebody to get killed. <laughs> somebody about to get killed. Somebody's dead or somebody's too poor. Yeah. And like, yeah. And like, I want a Chris Knight record as a fan. That's what I want. If he did what I would do as a fan, I'd be pissed. And so I feel so blessed and so fortunate that we have this freedom to do. And I think Ringling Road kind of did that because all of our records, we always kind of had some weird songs. But Ringling Road was, I guess, catchy enough or whatever happened. We had no idea what, what it was going to do or how I was going to do it. Um, it's because it was different. I uh, think that was the big draw to it because Ringling Road wasn't, it wasn't a subject matter that we were used to hearing yeah. because we, I hate to label as, Texas or whatever. I just, I'd call it just good music, Americana music, whatever. I don't yeah. Whatever. It's not up for me to label it. I just make it, you know, yeah, you mean? just make it. Uh, but I think it was such, such a departure from a lot of the subject matter that was talked about, that it was unique. Like you said, you were able to explore and it's catchy as fuck. Man, I think it's a melody thing. I think, uh, I think mm-hmm. in my, mm-hmm. my opinion, I think Ringling road and she likes the Beatles is a melody thing. I don't think it's content of the lyrics as much as it is melody. And I think my proof on that is that kids love both those songs and have no idea what either means. Okay. I'll agree with that. I'm following you now. And, uh, I think we just got really fucking lucky on a melody. I honestly, I think that's what happened. And I think the words obviously help. I think, but I think people, um, you know, Larry Joe Taylor told me is one of this. He told me right before I wrote, she likes the Beatles. He goes, because uh, I came out with Misunderstood, and I was just starting to play this festival, and uh, I was pretty proud of Misunderstood, uh, and he uh, he was like, man, you're, we were on a songwriting retreat, and I was kind of asking for his guidance, you know, what you do with older older people, because they've been through it, and they've seen, they just know more than you, so you ask for guidance, and he was like, man, your, your lyrics are really good, uh, he's like, but, he's like, you have no, you don't have any melody, you don't you have no melody. And I, in my head, I was like, bull fucking shit. I don't have melody. But instead of arguing with him, I, you know, I was like, well, what is melody to you? And I don't know what I didn't, I didn't know what melody was. It's a very confusing thing. Uh, and I hope some songwriters listening to this because it really helped me out. Cause I just thought melody was you just, as long as you sang, that's a melody. Right. But no, uh, he said, I said, well, what is melody? And he goes, you know, like when you're on an elevator and I was like, yeah. And he goes, you know how there's music playing and with no words. And by the time you get to the top floor or where you're going, you're humming along to it. I was like, yeah. He goes, that's melody. I was like, I'll be damned. And that's when my transition went from being a wordsmith to chasing melodies. To being a melody maker. Yeah. But I'm also like, because I thought it was... I thought songwriting was all about how you can make yourself sound so elegant and smart with words. And Guy Clark's king of that. He's the king of that. Uh, that's what I, that was the kind of the path I was going, I wanted to go down until I really found 
melody and uh and melody is so much fun it's just another element and you can do both you know and you can combine both um but chasing melodies is so much fun like a lot of times if i'm in a write and i don't the melody doesn't uh it doesn't hit me or intrigue me in any ways like i just kind of shut down like i'm just kind of like eh, i've been done before eh, you know um and that's real that that lesson that right after i learned that i came out with rose queen and I came out with Ringling Road and then Aver Allen, which are all huge melody driven. And, and after I counted Rose Queen and I never even taught, Larry didn't even, we never talked about it, but when I came out with Rose Queen and I started getting uh, number ones, number ones on Texas music chart, uh, Larry threw me a party every number one that I had until it was like number five or whatever. He threw a party at his ranch. And he was like, I'm tired of paying for these and parties. No, it wasn't that. But the first party <laughs> that he did, uh, he uh, he looked at me and he goes, he goes, I'm glad you found it. And I was like, found what? He goes, I'm glad you found melody. It seems to be working because he knew. I and mean, he 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 taught me that lesson. And he yeah, he taught me melody, which is literally the greatest gift I've ever had in the music business was that very simple elevator lesson. It's a simple lesson, but how how easy is that to put into practice? Oh, it's impossible. It's 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 like uh, well, it's just. It's the music business is the easiest business on the planet. If you write the greatest song ever. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. All you that. have to do is write incredibly great songs and you'll do great. You'll do fine. You'll do yeah. just fine. It's and that's how simple the formula is. And, uh, um, is it literally what it boils down to is, is what it boils down to is how well, how many people can a song connect with on a mass level? Uh, which I never cared about, ever cared about, still don't care. When I write a song, I don't think this song would be great on radio. I never cared about it. For me, it's a, a lot more personal, but the biggest songs to me seem to hit the most amount of people, you know, in a, in a unique way. And whether that's melody and whether that's mood or whether that's words uh, or whether it's all three combined. But uh, man, if, if someone writes the greatest song or a great song, it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how, where you recorded it. It doesn't matter who produced it. It doesn't matter who played on it. it. It doesn't, none of that fucking matters. All that, and it, but because it will get passed around. And Bob Dylan's, I mean, I mean, there are guys out there that have great songs, have terrible voices, and they're, they're super famous, you know? Um, you say that. So, and I'm with, I'm with you, and I don't mean to cut you off. I just, this, this brought something up in my mind. So, you, and I know you write very personally. You've talked about and been very open about since you were in seventh grade when you started writing that you write very personal songs. And I know that one of the most personal ones to you is one of your more, most uh, per, most popular songs, and it was something you wrote with Kent. Yeah. And it was the last song you wrote with Kent. Yeah. Still think about you, which is crazy because it doesn't really work out the, the way, that way ever. It never works out. It never works out where a song that means the most to you gets heard the most. It's kind of like... Uh, it's kind of, it's music's kind of weird like that, but the songs that I love the most, most people don't, you know? Um, and music's weird, weird like that. Um, but yeah, I wrote, still think about you with Kent. I had the course for six months. I wrote the course, I wrote the course and, uh, about this girl in San Marcos. And, um, and, uh, I had asked Wade to help me finish writing it. And, uh, cause that's why I, I that's why a lot of times I write courses first and then I, I seek out people to help with verses on what strengths I feel like they can bring. So like that song, I knew I needed someone like Wade, Randy, Sean McConnell. That was in my head. So yes, like 
who can help me get away from the melody of the course into something that's cooler for the verses that I'm not able to tackle right now. So I asked Wade and well, the song says bastard in it. And, 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 and I'm not talking shit about Wade or Randy or Sean by any means, but they just didn't want, none of them wanted to touch it. So I asked Wade, then I asked Randy and I asked Sean. And they were all like, yeah, I think you just need to finish it yourself, which is the polite way of saying I'm not really interested. And so when I was in steamboat, uh, Kent, we were doing a, uh, honoring Kent Finley. And so we were all playing songs, and Kent flowed up. It was last the, the last part of his life. He flew up. He was he was pretty sick. He had, didn't have much energy. He was on all the chemo treatment, and uh, and he couldn't really hang out with anybody because he didn't have energy to talk. So I, I was like, Kent, you want to go grab dinner or something like that? Because me and him always grabbed barbecue in San Marcos. We always went out to lunch or dinner and just talk songwriting. And he was like, uh, he was like, well, I just I can't leave the house. And I was like, well, uh, you want to try to write a song? He's like, man, I'd like that. So uh, I went over to his cabin and uh, and we kind of needled around some ideas and we didn't really come up with anything. And and he was, you know, he's pretty tired. He's pretty worn out. And and I was like, well, I got this course that no one likes and or no one seems to want to touch. And uh, I played it for him and it struck a nerve to him somehow. I meant something, it meant something to him. I don't know what, I never asked, but I could tell that he, I could tell he found himself in that song. And so uh, we we wrote the verses together and uh, and like super easy and um, it was super fast. And uh, he really liked the song. He was really proud of it. He really liked it. Um, yeah, I think it struck, a, I think it struck, I think it struck a nerve with him somewhere about someone because he was, yeah. And I was shocked when he said he liked it because I was kind of giving up on this. I'd given up on the song uh, kind of because I was like, well, if they don't like it, you know, maybe I'm just, Maybe I just, that's not as good as I think it is. And I've learned, I've learned now that if I, if I'm onto something and I see the vision for it to trust it, because most of the time, those are our biggest songs. Right. And, uh, uh and as nothing, like I said, I'm not, nothing, it's not talking any mad about Wade or Randy or any of those guys, but like, you just got to trust your gut sometimes. And if you, if you, if I wrote something down and, and I believe in that course, which I did, uh, just to keep chasing it till you finish. And sometimes you can finish on your own. Sometimes you need help. And that's, thing too man I, I like asking for help on songs i like getting other people's perspectives and getting out of my comfort zone i like that a lot i do also like writing by myself too so. it, it's healthy on both ends so i said we were going to talk new songs only and i love that story you told and if you don't want to you don't have to but i was gonna say could you play that song uh sure yeah absolutely. i know i just i, I, I said oh, we course. weren't going to but this is kind of a moment where i think it'd be kind of we were something special, pretty big deal Met you at the county fair, kissed you on the Ferris wheel All of our friends, they thought we were real You would say you loved me, couldn't look you in the eye Never meant to hurt you, never meant to make you cry Just couldn't hold on, believe me, I and now you're calling me a bastard Calling me a liar Sorry that you fell in love with someone You'll never inspire Sorry that I broke your heart in two But I still think about you I still think about you every morning I remember what you said Get your ass up Get yourself out of bed 
Then you would kiss me on top of my head I know you hate me now But I wanted you to know Didn't count enough But I cared enough to let you go Oh, the bitter seeds we sow And now you're calling me a bastard Calling me a liar Sorry that you fell in love with someone you never inspired Sorry that I broke your heart in two And now you're calling me a bastard Calling me a liar Sorry that you fell in love with someone you never inspired Sorry that I broke your heart in two I still think I still think about you Thank you, man. That is an amazing tune. Thank you. Thank you. Man, I know you, you've, that was important because of Kent. And I know you've, you've often spoke about how Kent is probably one of your, your biggest, he was one of your biggest critics and how much it meant to you. He was a, I say critic and I don't mean it in the negative light. No, 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 no. Uh, He, (laughs) Kent was so funny. One of my favorite quotes, uh, first time I played Chim Street, uh, I go, I walked up to him because he, I mean, shit, he founded the Ranger Rogers band pretty much, you know? And, um, and I said, well, you know, there was like two people in the building we played. What'd you think of the show, Kent? I was so excited to hear what he said, you know, just his, just to have, because he sat there on that, he sat on the stool every day and listened to every song out of every day that came through Chief Street. And, uh, he just looked at me and he goes, well, uh, it was a little loud. And I thought that was hilarious. Um, and that's just Kent to a T. But me, Kent, Kent um, would not allow laziness in songwriting. And he, he hated slant rhymes. He hated them. Hated, 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 which I did a lot of. And so, uh, and uh, back then, and I still do some now, but every time I do do one, I think I look, I'm just like grin a little shitty and grin, but. Because uh, he hated him, it would it never would be able to write a song with Kent with a slam rhyme. It wouldn't happen. He would not allow that. Um, and uh, but yeah, he just was a me and him just had a really unique relationship. I didn't know much about Kent personally. He didn't know much about me personally. Didn't care to really. I didn't really care to either. We just talked songs. Literally talked songs. I think he knew that I had a love for songwriting. I think he knew it was genuine, and I. I think he knew that I care. I thought, I think he thought that he could teach me some things. Uh, I think he knew I would listen. I always knew that he would listen to any song I sent him. We just talked song. We got, I mean, we had barbecue all the time together. Every time I was in San Marcos, we'd load up in his, he had a little Honda, Honda, like I I don't know what the hell it was. Like a hatchback SUV type. It's called like, look like a cube. And, um, Honda CRV. No, it wasn't a CRV. Uh, Oh, it was the smaller element or something like that. It looks like a cube. 
And uh, a lot of musicians in Nashville had that, by the way. Uh, but yeah, we'd load up, we'd drive to Luling, and, and we'd just talk songs the whole time. We wouldn't talk about anything else but songs, but songs he likes, but songs he didn't like. You know what bands he liked, and 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 what what someone if someone wrote Candace Cheatham Street wrote a song. Oh, oh gosh, you got to hear this song that so and so wrote. And I just I was really impressed. And and he played the second song he played. I didn't care for it too much, but that first song he played was really good. You know, he just he just love he just loves songs. I mean, it's literally that's like a kid in a candy store. It's what he want to talk about. And um, yeah, we didn't talk about anything else really. Um, yeah, and it was just a good mentor to have. So with that enthusiasm he had and how the way I've often heard you and the way you've been talking today, when it comes to writing, is it an obsession or is it a passion for you? Oh, it's definitely not an obsession. It's a, I think it's a have to. I think it's a necessity. Uh, I don't write. Like, I didn't write shit all of COVID. I didn't start writing until October. I put my guitar down. I didn't touch my guitar. I think for me, it's uh, – I think it's – I hate it when I feel like I have to. I hate it. Uh, takes all the art, all the fun out of it. Uh, and, uh, but it's just like anything you work hard at it, you'll, you'll get success. Um, and sometimes I need to for, you know, what, what always gets my, my ass in gear is, is making a record and that gets me excited about what the record needs and, um, and, um, you know, what avenues have not gone down so far in my career, which was six records, you know, there's a lot of shit that we feel like we've done. And so it's, it's so hard to not to be redundant because I don't want to ever be redundant. It takes all the fun out of it. I could sit back and, and do the carbon copy of everything we've done. That's been successful. And I just, uh, I just, it takes all the fun out of it for me. I think, uh, for me, it's like the music business is like this. There are three things that I enjoy about the music business. I love writing songs. Some, most of the time, sometimes I, I hate it. Sometimes I write, I'm just like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever done. Like, or writing with someone who's just a shitty attitude. And, and sometimes you just don't connect with someone you're writing with. And sometimes you write a song and you can't connect with yourself. You know, but writing songs is, Fair take. is the, is I will always do that. No matter if I have a career or not, I always have done it. And I always will do it. Will I do it as much as I do now? If I did my livelihood, didn't rely on it. I probably not. I think a lot of my songs come from darker places. Uh, comes. And so it's just like, I have to feel something to do it. I, or else I'm, it just kind of cheapens it. Um, and the second thing is my favorite thing is making the record. That's so much fun. Watching a song that you birthed come to life and still you've never done an outside cut. Every song I've ever cut, I've had it. I've written or had my hand in writing. You know, I was a writer with wrote it with someone else or, um, and then the third funnest thing is performing it on stage is really great, but everything else sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so you enjoy so the traveling everything. sucks. The being away from home sucks. The, the food sucks. The barbecue is not as good as you think it is. Don't tell me it's the best barbecue. Cause everybody <laughs> says they have the best barbecue. Uh, the best barbecue in Texas, in my opinion is chefs in Belton. And they did not pay me to say that. I think, I think, uh, they just do such a good job down there. But, um, but, uh, yeah, I mean the, the, the hours suck, uh, the, not having weekends sucks. I mean, Dude, That's every one. one of my friends that I've had known my entire life, I don't ever see unless it's at a show, which sucks because you're working because I'm working. <laughs> How can you get away from like, work when that's what your work is? Like yeah. I know we, I know we used to go day drinking in college, but I have to do my job tonight. Like I can't do that. And like, Oh, you just, uh, no. And it's like, no, I can't. I have to take it seriously. Um, 
you know, and uh, yeah, it's just, uh, but those three things are just like the most amazing things. And I get to be my own boss and, and I love my guys and they all have the same passion for their craft. Like I have a passion for my craft right now. I've got such a great group of guys that have so much passion for their instruments, you know, and performing and, 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 and they have the same passion I have for creating and writing music. And it's just, it's just a really great thing. But, um, yeah, it's been, uh, yeah, it's just, you can't go to weddings. You can't go to funerals. You can't do, you know, it's, uh, there's parts of it that suck, but the trade off, is it worth it? I don't know yet. I'll let you know when we'll talk in a yeah. decade. <laughs> So far, so good. Uh, finally able to make a good a good living at it, which has been really nice. Uh, I wouldn't be doing this if I if I wasn't able to make a living at it. Like I, like I think whenever I was after I misunderstood album, um, we went to go record Rose Queen. That was my last straw. I think I was turning twenty seven, twenty eight, and I was I threw I had like I, I took a loan out for like thirty five grand, and. I knew that was attainable to pay off like a new, it was like a car loan. Like you know, car loan yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I was like, I'm going to throw, this is, I'm going to throw, this is cause we'd spent, I'd spent the last five years of my life touring with no, with nothing. I think our biggest success to that point was getting a song tonight played on the ranch tonight in Caroline. So tonight in Caroline probably were the only two at that point. And, uh, I can, that, and I can remember. that was like, we played Woody's Tavern in Fort Worth. And I remember our biggest success story in the first five years of touring was people at Woody's Tavern were singing along to our songs. And we, they weren't our friends. They weren't our buddies from college. They were random people. And that was the most success that we saw in the first five years of music business. And now, and, sir, you sell out huge venues. Well, I mean, we also play shows that, you know, we also play shows that are, you know, we'll go play someplace and up north and have 150 people, 200 people show up. We still do that, but... The overall is great. And like, I think I, pay, I paid myself for the first time when I was 28 years old. How'd that feel? It wasn't much. <laughs> uh, Cause I was investing every penny we made. Every penny wasn't putting back in. I was hiring a new person, buying a new trailer, buying a new van. Like it was all going back in and instrument uh, upkeep. Yeah. Yeah. Just, it was all going back into the business. And, and, and then it kind of like, uh, and then it kind of leveled out to where I wasn't putting, I was taking, I was be able to take out a little bit more than putting in and, and, uh, but it took, I mean, it took eight, eight, eight years of my life to, to make money eight years. And now you're an overnight success. <laughs> uh, and, 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 and the, there's no guarantees, you know, there's no retirement plan. There's no, you know, voice could go out, lose an arm, you know, it is, there's no guarantees, but at the end of the day, I absolutely love what I do. I feel very blessed that I am, I do, I'm able to do what I do. And I also, uh, also, what's what's been so awesome I noticed during COVID is because uh, we were ran so hard in 2019, and I was literally get the point of burning burning out. Um, like I was like, I remember thinking like uh, at the end of 2019, I was like, dude, Evan Felker, I fucking get it. Like I get it. Like I was just overworked, overworked, and just. I was just exhausted and I didn't realize how exhausted I was until I had, I was forced to stop until you slowed down and long enough to actually realize it. And yeah. so now I'm like a little bit more selfish with things, you know, I'm like, Hey, uh, you know, and not that I'm not that I'm afraid to work hard. I'm not afraid to work hard, but we were, we were working, we were working too hard. There's Everybody a was, there's a difference between working hard yeah. and never stopping. Right. I, I'll, I'll, I'll say that it's not about a work. And even ethic. my guitar players, like we did, we don't even saw it. Like, uh, Lindsay, uh, my Josh's girlfriend was like, I've seen, I've like, I've seen him like, she kind of like, I've seen like 30 times this year. 
And it's like, we, we spent months together. We spent six months on the road pretty much. And we didn't even realize it until we were forced to stop. And we were, I was just, we were kind of like, holy shit, where has the last 10 years gone? You know? And so we're, we're starting to get like, we're starting to get a little bit more selfish with, uh, with our time as a band. And, you know, well, I mean, selfish. I mean, like just giving them more opportunities. You're to be being on. selective about the shows you play. Yeah. And just letting them breathe a little bit, man. Right. And like, um, we, we, we did the workhorse thing, you know, six months on the road and did we make headway in those markets, you know, out West California and all that stuff, maybe, but not enough to warrant being gone for a year, you know, like, and that's, and I think a lot of people, I think COVID, a lot of people realize that in COVID, I think people were able, like they, they couldn't go in the office, they were at home and they were kind of like, man, what's the point? What's the point of making money if you don't get to be home to enjoy it? You know, like, there has to be a, a work-life balance. Um, and so now I was just like, COVID was great for me. Uh, also really, really honed in on what kind of record I wanted to make. And I'm super proud of this next record. Um, so let's talk about that. You're going back to Melody Mountain to cut this new album. We've never done a record at Melody Mountain. I thought you did. Mm-mm. You did. A, was there one song that was cut for? We were, we went in. I thought you did a song off of Aber Island there. Mm-mm. No. Oh. Uh, we went in and we we're doing, we're, we're in the works. We're still in the works to do a Chris Knight cover album. So we've recorded half of it. Uh, and uh, we'll see. It's not a priority, but yeah, that's like, I, it's called Bill Grease is my, uh, was my college nickname. And so the band name's called Bill Grease and the Blue Bonnet Bandits. Now, hold on. Now <laughs> I want to make sure I'm on the same path as you. You're doing a Chris Knight cover album. Yeah. Under Bill Grease and Blue Bonnet Bandits. So somebody's going to die. <laughs> well, it's all cover songs. So it's all his cover. It's all a song. It's all my, our favorite songs of his. And then, so every, the, the plan and the goal is to come out with the record. And, and, and I told my guys, like, we'll go, I'll go in partners on it. You know, we'll all, we'll all take, you know, we'll all be an huh. equal share partner. And we'll go, okay. And let me do the Chris Knight record first. That's my passion. And then the next record, let's do like a John Mayer or like a like okay. something fun, you know. Uh, so this isn't going to be a one-off thing. This is something that you guys are actively going to pursue. I hope not. Uh, and I have no interest in touring over it, off of it. You just want to do it. Just do it, just to be fun. It's fun to do. It's fun, and also it's so much fun creating music in the studio that's already been written. <laughs> like, let's just do it like he did it, but like put our twist on it, and that's like okay. There's no stress. Like we drink and have a good time and kind of let loose and um um i'm i'm just saying there's plenty a uh, plenty of proof out there that it works ryan adams covered a taylor swift yeah a taylor swift album uh bj and team they just did yeah bangers was, slappers and twangers yeah that was really cool too um and uh and we've got we've had this in the can we've had these songs done for three years and we haven't even touched it since um we've, it's just right now the focus is the new record which um yeah, we're excited about. So where are you recording the new album at? So the new album is being recorded at Josh's studio in Melody Mountain Ranch in Stephenville. But we our last two records, our last three records we've done in Nashville. So uh, we recorded Aber Allen at Sound Emporium, which is where Flatland just did their, yes. their last uh, latest release. And then the one before that we did, uh, at Ringley Road, we did at uh, Ocean Way. And then the one before that we did at 16 Ton. Rose Queen did at 16 Sun Studios. And so this was like, this was my, like, I feel like Aver Island was as far as I wanted to push our sound to this level that I was, 
a little uncomfortable getting to, but 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 wanted to see. Okay. And this record's like we're coming home record. Like I just wanted to make it. I wanted to record in Texas. I didn't want to go do it in Nashville. I'm kind of our last record. Our producer was great, Benji Davis, but I want. I, I just don't like how it's, things are done there. The, the people working on the project, they're, they're hired guns. They're not emotionally invested in the project. They're kind of there on the clock and they're just kind of waiting for you to get done. And, and it's kind of like, Oh, you, it's just, but you know, we have Josh's studio. No one cares more about this project than Josh or me than me, Rachel, who's our producer. And she cares more than any producer we could possibly find. She's also playing bass on it. And Jay saw Donnie, our, uh, my drummer for forever on every record is part of it. So there's only five of us in the studio as opposed to like 10. Right. Like, so it is just us. It is me, Josh, Rachel, and uh, Jay and Steve. It's five of us. So that's kind of unheard of to make a That record. really is. Yes. Yeah. And so we had so much fun doing it. And it was so nice to not have any of the bullshit and not have any time crunch. And we go out to Melody Mountain. They have a trailer house out there that uh, we stay on the bus. And then uh, Rachel and some of the guys stay in the trailer house. And we're just like, I get to like, when I, when they're doing guitars, like I walk out of the room and I'll go, I start grilling steaks and no one stops by. And it's just freaking great. It's been such a great experience. And I hope it translates to, to the music, but the name of the record is called Baker Hotel. It's going to be uh, every record of mine is about a Texas town. And this one obviously is about mineral wells. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited about it. So I know we've, as you've talked about in this entire thing, you're all into the co-writing process. You're all into the seeking that out. Mm -hmm. Who's some of the people you co-wrote on this? Uh, man, a lot of guys from Texas. Uh, I was, like I said, on this record, I was really over the Nashville co-writes kind of okay. thing, which I did some of them, but. Um, I wrote with Zane Williams. I wrote with Max Stalling. I wrote with Drew Kennedy a lot. I mean, this half this record is me and Drew writing songs. We we freaking work so well together. I think I think the songs are killer. Um, uh, I, Drew likes them. We'll just, it doesn't matter what we think about it. it matters what everybody else thinks. Uh, um, Ross Cooper. I wrote uh, yeah. Baker Hotel with Ross Cooper. Me and Ross wrote Wrangling Road together. Um, and um, let's see. Uh, Owen Beverly, who has a song called Legs and Scars. He was a Nashville guy, but he is an artist, man. He's so good. I try to write with artists as opposed to just like songwriters chasing cuts. Like okay. I try to write with people who actually care about their craft and how they, they, what they're chasing songs for their careers too. And I really found so much benefit out of that because, man, you get the song, you get in the meeting with some song, some songwriters who are just like chasing cuts and my cuts aren't going to pay anybody much money, but uh, they disagree with you all the time. They disagree. Oh yeah, that's a great idea. No, they won't no, tell you. Not no. a fucking great idea. It's a terrible idea. Like, uh, but Drew, you know, I love writing with Drew and Max and Zane and and uh, me and Bauman were supposed to write, but it had to get canceled. His kid got sick. I was kind of upset about that because I I think me and him would write a really cool song together. But um, is they care? They care, and I feel like if I think it's good, if I have that much respect for what they do. And if they think it's good and I think it's good, then it's gotta be good. Right. So that's kind of my mentality on it. So that's pretty, that's a pretty, that's a pretty solid take. I'll agree with that. Yeah. So you wrote a song called Baker hotel. Mm -hmm. Have you snuck into the Baker hotel? I uh, never legally. have. That's pretty much what the song's about. And I would play it for you. Uh, but I can't because we, 
We spent a day and a half recording the song, and I honestly have no idea how we did it. <laughs> okay. And it is nothing Fair like take. how I wrote it. So, Fair take. Um, actually, I might be able to. Let me see. It's just, yeah. Uh. Yeah, I'm going to try it. <laughs> if it sucks, we can just delete it, I guess. Yeah, that's no big deal. So yeah, this song is about uh, elementary school kids or no middle school kids uh, daring each other to go into the baker and go to the very top of the hotel. And um, so you can get your kicks wrapping Anne Marie's house, sticking forks into her yard, but if her daddy comes outside, you better run and hide. Dial up her numbers, your refrigerator running. You better go catch it, you'll never see it coming. No, we'll laugh and hang up the phone. But if you really want a story to tell, you have to make it through the Stories of hell Like the devil dog tail Show us what you got You ain't nothing but a chicken Till you make it to the top Of the Baker Hotel Out there in Mineral Wells At the Baker Hotel Out there in job of that but i'll no. have to figure out how to play that better you know what that's a that's a fun song i kind of feel like i i, I need to see a, a netflix documentary special on the guy who goes to the 14th floor of the baker hotel oh, we now. are doing a music video for this in mineral wells at the baker hotel at the baker 
damn right. Do you need an extra for that? Yeah, sure. I, I, yeah, yeah. I'm, come on. Done. I'm yeah. in. I'm 100% in. My wife, on the other hand, she's going to look at me and say, fuck no, I'm not going in that <laughs> stupid ass building. They've been renovating it for the last um, two years. It looks great. Man. I know they've been spending yeah. a lot of time on it. Yeah, it's, it looks awesome. Yeah. Wasn't it like a, a private firm that like, came in to do the investment in that? Man, uh, Shane McAnally is involved. You know, Shane McAnally is yeah. a, a great songwriter in Nashville, and he's from Mineral Wells. And he's, I've heard he's an investor, and I actually reached out to him. I had written the, written the course, and uh, we spent like five hours writing that freaking course. And, um, and I reached out to him because I was like, hey, I know you're from Mineral Wells. I know you're an investor in this hotel. This is a course I got uh, about the baker. And I would love for you to help finish writing it with this. And um, and he was all in uh, to help. He actually responded, which I was shocked. And uh, he said he really loved the course and it's really cool. And and then I don't know if he got bit. I just didn't hear from him again. Uh, I'd reached out a couple more times, and it's no no harm, no foul. I mean, it was kind of a shot in the dark. But I thought it'd be really cool if I could have his involvement on because he's yeah. he's written so many great songs. Um, but uh, we ended up finishing it and super proud of it. And uh, it worked out the way it was supposed to. And that's kind of the way songs all go. Kind of work out the way they're supposed to. And um, yeah, I, I'm excited about the music video. And uh, the guy, I mean, we spent so much time in the studio on this song. And it just, the guys just completely transformed. I don't even, I don't even do my own song justice. They, they did some really, really cool stuff in the studio. Kind of like how Wrangler Row got started. Like I wrote the song and then it just, in the studio, it just completely transformed into a different monster. So. So there's been times with Ringling Road, you've had guys on stilts and people juggling knives. Does this mean there's going to be people in white sheets running around the stage? <laughs> God, I hope not. Um, <laughs> there is a song that I've, I've the new record and people, I feel like it's going to be the biggest song on the record because people are already, it's called the dog song and people are already barking at me on stage. They're going, rah, 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 rah. and I was like, we happened the other weekend in Concan and I looked it back the guys i was like what the fuck i was like is this about to be a thing where we're literally gonna get barked at on stage to hear this song uh i'll play it for you uh i wrote it with zane and zane's not proud of it at all uh and uh he came over to my house and uh the dog and he was like uh i was like man we started writing a serious song i was like man i'm just not in a serious mood today i was like let's write a fun song so my girlfriend's dog was there and uh (laughs) so i wrote this song about my girlfriend's dog all right, call the dog song. Well, I don't like you, you don't like me. That's one thing we both agree. If I had my way, I'd let you go play in the middle of a busy street. You're just a bastard child of a bitch who ran wild, and I'm the one dealing with it. I must really love your mom If I'm out here on the lawn While it's raining picking up your shit I know she loves you I just don't know why But watching you watching TV on my couch I think I saw the silver line Where well, you can't catch a ball And you won't fetch a bird Now I'm starting to see if she love an old street like you, she could love somebody like me. You're just a waste of space breathing in my face every morning in this king-size bed. And there's hell my clothes, and when we left you alone, you ripped all the new blinds to shreds. 
I guess you think it ain't fair I'm the one who has a pair And I get to use them once in a while So you shoot up my Valentine teddy bear And then you did it doggy style I know she loves you I just don't know why Watching you, watching TV on my couch I think I saw the silver line Well, you can't catch a ball and you won't fetch a bird Now I'm starting to see If she could love an old street like you She could love somebody like me If she could love an old street like you Maybe she could love somebody like me Barkin's going to be a thing. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I'm sold. <laughs> that, damn, that's pretty good. Thanks. <laughs> that's not radio friendly. Nope, neither was Ringling Road, though, so. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. And look where we're at now with Ringling Road. It's really just, uh, it says bitch, but I'm talking about a female dog, so I really don't see what the problem is. That's the Webster Dictionary def- definition for it. It's I- not derogatory. It's literally the definition of the dog. I don't. So unless doggy style it can't be played on radio, that's the only bastard can be said because it can be said. Yes, I said it already. You said it already. <laughs> so if you think about it, I don't see anything wrong with saying the word bitch if it's about. See, your dog right here is a bitch. One hundred percent. Yeah, she's In a both, very nice bitch. She is. At times, uh, but she is a bitch nonetheless. She is a bitch. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Here's the funny thing, and that's why I love this platform, is the FCC doesn't really have the reach here yet. But even the FCC, I don't think they can do shit. If you say bitch. If it's in an artistic realm. and It's you, not artistic. It is the definition. No, I'm talking about a The word bitch dog. is where it is. Same thing with bastard. Like with you saying bastard on that, you, I think you and I had a conversation many years ago about this. If the artistic, if it is artistic, what was the word? If... Removing the word changes the artistic integrity and intent of the song. It can be used. Hmm. I had several of those conversations over the years. But it's not a cuss word. It's literally the word. The word has got bastardized by, uh, but that is the definition. It's 100%. Both words are not cuss words. We've, you said it right. Bastardized both of them. That's why I love, did you watch the Netflix thing where they talk about the history of cuss words? No. You need to see it. Okay. It was, um, Ironically enough, Nicolas Cage hosting it. They're little like 20-minute segments of the huh. history of each cuss word. And they go through everything that we would consider cuss words. It's hilarious. You got to watch it. All right, I'll check it out. And it's it's one of those in you know, your infinite amount of time that you really don't have to look at. Yeah. But it, it's fun. But yeah, the FCC does consider certain words cuss words that are not. Yeah. And it's a spe- and it has to do with the time of the day. Well, That's bitch even- about a female dog is not a cuss word. It no. is, it is le- if you set towards a... Person, person it is it a cuss word, but about a female dog. That's what's so fucking brilliant about it. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's a great and we had word. so much fun writing that song, and honestly, I didn't think I was going to record it. And that's kind of how those songs happen, is I never really think I'm going to record it. And then I played it at a live show. I played it in a listening room, and it fucking brought the house down. And then I did it again, and it brought the house down. And I did it again, and it brought the house down. I mean, people are just cracking their asses up. And I've never had a song do that and like... I'm just so excited about it. Uh, uh, it's yeah, it's uh, I'm excited about that one. I think it's going to do well for us, man. That is, I'm, I'm happy for you in that sense. I know it's, 
you you've already answered half of these questions I had planned to ask you in the part <laughs> of talking through some of the conversation. Well, I get it running my mouth. It's talking on the fly. That's what it is. And so I'm glad that you're happy with the way the new album turned out and having that solace and, you know, and just having all that, it sounds like everything kind of came together with you guys going to record. Man, I hope so. Like, you know, all these guys, you know, the guys say it all the time. I think this is my best album. Um, And I'm always like, it wasn't your best album. You know, your best album was this album. And like, if Chris Knight came out the album yesterday and said the same thing, I'd be like, no, Jealous Count was your best album. And, uh, but this, for me as an artist, I'm like that. This is, uh, this is, uh, I think that my songwriting is at its all time high. I took a lot of time and wrote with people who care on this record. I think it will translate. I think the songs, the songs are my best batch group of songs. And now whether I have another hit on it or not, a hit on it or not, I have no idea, but I definitely think this is the best, the best I can do at my craft. I think this is the best I've ever done at my craft songwriting wise, which doesn't translate towards spins and stuff like that. But I think this is the best I've ever done um, songwriting wise. Good. I'm happy for you. So, and I'm pretty confident with that. And I, you know, I accept, you know, sometimes when you do stuff like that, you follow stuff, it, it comes with consequences, but you know, as long as you're not dying your hair black and changing well, your name to Chris Gaines, I, I, I think you'll be, be fine. Happy. I want to be happy in my, you know, I don't want to do the same record over and over again. It, uh, like, I feel like Aber Allen was that, it was like the most polished version of what we learned in Rose Queen and Ringling Road. And it was like this. And I just want to be like, okay, we're, 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 do, we're, we're doing something else. We're not going to go more that direction. We're going to go back to. Right. Right. So this is just, I just, we had so much fun doing it and it's, it's just, it feels right. The song I was listening to the record on the way up here and I just, I'm really proud of it. Um, excited to hear what we've done. We had, yeah. Who did the artwork for this album? We don't have it yet. I had Sassy's thing about that. I was about to call the Dodds. I'll do the Dodds <sighs> on every record. So good segue. Cause that's where I was about to go. I know you've used yeah. the Dodd sisters on. Everything. Yeah. I was going to call them. I might call my way home and, and kind of send the song to them and, and, uh, and give them the idea and let them run with it. So it'd be a bunch of people in white sheets. <laughs> think we're going to stay away from the white sheets. <laughs> the ghost kind, you know what I mean? I was not going there. God, you remember that freaking white Sox game? Yes. Where they gave all the hood, the right ponchos out. That was the dumbest thing <laughs> oh, in the history. How you not see that guy? <laughs> no, there's no reason you shouldn't have. I, mean, I don't even know if it's appropriate to be laughing at that. I thought it was hysterical because it's just like the people were none the wiser. But the way it looked on TV was like, holy shit. Well, and, and maybe that's the thought. You know what I mean? Let's yeah. give everybody ponchos. Okay. White socks. No okay. good deed goes unpunished, buddy. Yeah, you're absolutely right. No good deed goes unpunished. Yeah. So you've used the Dodds a lot. Yeah, they're the best. And you've got some pretty interesting artwork. That, Your dog that, just farted, by the way. Yeah, she does it a lot. It's okay. That's okay, bitch. Her name is... <laughs> here, here, okay, so let's, let's, go, let's go into the joking part about her name. So her name, and this is where we can go into a little history of where Will's from and how he separates himself. You, were, you grew up in College Station, Texas, correct? I grew up in Tyler, but you went to College Station. I high went. I moved there in seventh grade. For so seventh grade, seven, so half my life, half my life. I mean, half my. I know, half my life was lived in Tyler for twelve years. I moved. I guess I was 10, 11. Uh and then I moved to College Station. So seventh, eighth grade, so six years. And you wanted nothing to do with A and M. I wouldn't say I was. Well, no, I didn't want to stay in College Station. It was more. For me, like A and M would have been right up my alley if I wouldn't have lived in in College Station. But ninety five percent of my 
the people I graduated that went to college went to Blender A&M. Right. And I'm not fucking doing that. You wanted yeah. to get away. Yeah, I wanted to get away. My dad went to A&M. The, the community is great. I have a, uh, I have a, I wish they would have continued it. I really thought that was so unfortunate. They just stopped the tradition. Right. They just didn't do it. You do the student association bonfire, which is pretty big now. Is it? I think it's, the, is it the students or is it the century club? I could, one of the two does an off campus. Yeah. And it's big. Cool. It's not what it was. Yeah. But it's, it's pretty big. Uh, man, witnessing that. I mean, that was such an event to go to. Uh, uh, and it's a shame. The SEC is a shame uh, to my, my in my mind. I think uh, I just think College Station when they, when they, when the SEC happened, and it could have been Johnny Manziel, uh, but it just changed so much. I mean, I lived there for mm-hmm. six years. And the town just changed so much, and it used to be uh, it used to be a very good down home agricultural school town, and it's just changed to like this kind of preppy, whiny little preps all over the place. It used to be an ex. I mean. It was cowboy boots and jeans every all the time. Now it's just, it's just changed. It's I just think changed. a lot of the colleges have done that now. Larger. Oh, sure. I think a lot of the larger ones. But you went to Lubbock. Yeah, I went to Tech. You went to Tech and... <laughs> it was so much fucking fun. Oh, my God. I would have had fun in College Station, too. I mean, uh, but, man, just the culture shock of West Texas and all those guys that grew up there was so great for me. I mean, meeting those guys and how they were raised and the small towns they were raised in and meeting all those people was just... Such a pleasure to be around, um, <laughs> and so unique, and didn't never seen it before in my life. I mean, it's really cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because you're saying grew up East Texas, mm-hmm. Tyler area. Then you go to kind of down what we would consider Central Texas. Yeah, and then you go to West, pretty far West Texas. Yeah, and it's there. All three of those areas are vastly different. Man, yeah, I think East Texas is the is the weirdest one. Of all of them, I think. They're I think. The, they are the weirdest. Yeah. I went to high school in East Texas. Where at? Kearns. Where's that? About 40 minutes from Tyler. Okay. Go towards Athens on Highway 31. Yeah. And then go another 20 minutes. Okay. Yeah, there's something that happens behind the Pine Curtains. And my whole family's from Beaumont, too, so I've seen it down there. It's, it, it's definitely the, the, the most obtuse. West Texas people are just fucking great, man. They're just... Salt of the earth, man. I do my festival up there, Cotton Fest, and it just it's such a breeze. Those people up there are just so laid back, man. Uh it's just it's just a slower change. It's just a slower pace. And not like the people I'm not saying it's a lazy city, and I don't mean that people don't work hard, people work their butts off, but there's just always time. Like people just always have time. And uh they just seem re- more relaxed up there. They're just way more relaxed. And the I beautiful thing about it is they'll never change because the people who want to, would want to change it don't fucking want to go there. And it's not close to anything except Rio Dosa. And, you know, that doesn't have much going on there. It has no hats. So it's half the time. So it's like, you know, it's just, it's kind of been, it's, it's a hidden gem for, for their culture. Their culture is really great up there. I just love it. Yeah. What makes it such a cultural hub for music? Well, it's the only, you have every small town in the, you have every small town in the panhandle. I mean, there's tons of them and they're all, 1A, 2A schools. Everybody, all my buddies from high school went to a very small, all my buddies from college went to a very small high school. Lubbock's the only place to go to get stuff. Very true. It's the hub city. And so if you have a guy that knows, that writes songs and he lives in Dalhart or he lives in Floydada, I mean, he's either going to do one or two things. He's going to go to Lubbock or he's going to go to Nashville. You know, and Lubbock's where people go. So it's just where, it's where all these people go for, for any kind of entertainment, really, there's just not much there. So it's a, 
I've noticed, and I know a, pe- a lot of people talk about the different college towns that have a lot of, you know, Austin's got its own kind of music scene separated from what we say Austin, but the college itself. Mm. College Station had Robert Earl, Kyle Park went there. Uh, Rich O'Toole, did he go to AM maybe? Rich O'Toole, uh, Watson, I think Watson was there. Watson went there. Jamie Lynn went there. Yeah. I, I mean, know. I used to listen, watch, listen to Side Hill Gougers in high school. I was oh. a huge fan. I mean, University of Houston has nobody. Uh, I don't say that insultingly. I don't know of any. But San Marcus has quite a bit. Actually, San Kyle, Marcus Kyle is Park a big, went to, to Texas State. He went to Texas State. He went to Texas State with Ron, yeah, with Ron Bieber, yeah. Okay, that's right. But, I mean, you have these little pockets. San Angelo the same way. Yeah. You have all these. But Lubbock, and I'm going to tell on myself here a little bit, for the last 20 years, man, y'all have been pumping out artists. Yeah. Good, good I, I artists. I don't know. Uh, you know, Flatland was the last one to pound. There's some new guys. See, Slate Coulter is freaking badass. Slate Coulter is amazing. I saw him for the first time uh, uh, out at uh, Larry's Place for okay. one of the songwriter festivals. Insanely talented. Yeah, person. he's great. Uh, and uh, yeah, just it's I got this the way I, how they ended up there is such a fucking fluke. I mean, it's so random how I ended up there. Uh, and I w- would not be a songwriter if I wasn't didn't wasn't from there. I mean, I, I was always wrote songs. I've written songs since eighth grade, but and I don't know. Maybe my path would have been even better. I don't know. But um, but it's just man, I learned being there was just perfect for me. Is it it's the, the best place to start? Uh. It, the best part about Lubbock is it's such a motherfucker to tour out of. Because it's five hours from everything? The guys that are going to do it, the guys that are going to put up a fight against that have real drive. And I think that's why you see a lot of guys, because it's this, in my opinion, in this business, it's longevity, it's longevity and how long you can withstand being a degenerate poor asshole for an extended period of time and, and work really hard at your craft while continuing being extremely poor and working hard and being gone. And I think the guy, I mean, Randall King, I mean, I think the guys from Lubbock, they, you know, there's the Lubbock stare, like there's, it's hard to perform in Lubbock. Also the college kids will rally behind one artist too. And really, you know, support right. them at blue light so they can feel like a rock star when they're home too. Um, but yeah, I think the guys in, I think the guys in Lubbock just, they just kind of go through a little bit harder intro and they, it weeds out so much of the the guys who don't have it that they the just kind of, there's more of a spotlight on them okay. because the, I think that I mean I could be fucking wrong I don't know I have no idea uh, but uh, it's been consistent every two or three years there's a new every two or three years there's a new band that comes out of there it's not a joke it's the truth it's literally every two or three years it was Josh it was well it's Pat it was Wade Wade yeah. Uh, and then it was Josh and it was me and then it was Flatland. That was all about, that was all in about, you know, Short I think Wade and Josh about five years maybe, but yeah, it's all about that span. And then it's something. And then you guys go and you form a super group. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of crazy. And anyway, we just got back from a riding retreat from that too. Um, so I was going to ask, did the band come out of the the writing retreats that you guys were doing? Is that how it kind of started, or was it? What was the? Let idea? me be clear. We have no fucking clue what we're doing. Literally, like this started as a this started as a idea for Steamboat to have a a Joe Ely cover band or okay. Flatlanders cover band. That's what we decided to do. We were like, hey, we're gonna go, we're gonna we're gonna have a just do a tip. Tip to the Flatlanders. So we saw the girls all do the Dixie Chick. 
deal. And it was so cool. And I was like, man, and Josh, his idea was like, Hey, let's, let's do a flatliners tip of the hat next year. I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah, we're in. We'll learn some flatliner songs and put a band together and just do it. In <coughs> well, then Josh started thinking about doing a record. And so the record was like, the record was going to be all flatlander songs. And then, and I was like, okay, cool. That'd be fun to do. Like, let's do it. Be fun to do. Cool little side project. And, uh, we're just going to do a tribute Flatliners record. We're going to have a group or anything. And then we were like, well, let's do some Terry Allen songs. And let's do maybe Road Goes On Forever. Or uh, not Road Goes On Forever. Let's do uh, uh, let's Ooh. do some Butch Hancock songs. Let's do, we started all these, they're like, okay, well now, what are, let's do some Waylon songs. Like he's from Little, he's from, he's from Littlefield. Or Littlefield. And then it was like, well, shit, uh, Gary Pinon's from Leveland. Yeah. So like, you can go along. Yeah. And so then we like, then we had all these groups of songs and like, okay, this cover album is gonna be really fun. <laughs> and all these songs. And then we started listening to these cover albums, the covers of these songs. And I was like, these songs are fucking great. Like, and their production's great. And like, I'm not saying we can't do it justice, but like half-assing it and something like that is just not like, we're going to go in the studio for a week and try to, you know, try to match these songs that are timeless, you know, and probably just, Fucking not sound good, honestly. And then we talked about, and then we talked about writing like, oh, well, maybe we should write like a couple songs. Or someone wrote a song and it was like, oh, that'd be great for that record we put on there. And then it was like, well, why don't we just, we're songwriters, why don't we just write the record and do a tip of the hat to West Texas? And then it was like, okay, well, if we do that, we have to have like a name. And I was like, well, what about, I mean, we have no fuck. It's just, like I said, it's all happened. Like we have no fucking clue what's going on. We're it, just doing it. It's working. Uh, yeah, it's been fun. It's been stressful and fun. I mean, getting all of our schedules together is a... That's a fucking nightmare, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, it's a nightmare. Um, but it's been fun. It's definitely brought us, like... So, me and Josh do not write well together at all. Like, brotherly love, we don't write it all together. Uh, but we wrote a song the other day on the last uh, retreat. We wrote a song with, uh, together that was really, really liked. So, that was fun. Um yeah, it's just kind of like uh, we don't have any idea what we're doing, how we're going to do it, or when. That's the best way to describe that. Awesome. I mean, I subscribe to that because, I mean, yeah. I don't know what the hell I'm doing with this. I mean, our, our careers are our main focus, right? Yeah. So, like. This is this is the side project? Yeah, it's just it's for fun, and we always have fun doing it. It's really fun letting loose and writing songs. And, and uh, I've noticed that people, I've, what I've noticed that people that don't necessarily like any of our musics, right? Like say like someone doesn't like uh, my music or Josh's music or John music or Cluto's music, but they like the, they like the project. So like my, my girlfriend's brother-in-law, like he doesn't listen to any of us could really care less. Right. But he loves that project. Interesting. And that's cool. That is, that's really cool. It's a different audience. Yeah. Though. And so it's like, okay, well let's, let's go that that's My vote is like, let's go that way. Like the people who, not necessarily listen to us, but like the project, like that should be our clientele, right? Yeah. Cause maybe they'll like something that, you know, something that happens, they'll go listen to one of our records and become a fan of that too, which would be great. So new Avenue. I, that's also like a huge compliment because we're doing something different. We're not just putting out a record that sounds like all of our records. And then, you know, it does sonically sound different. It sounds like a different record. So it does. And we, 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 should, we would make normally make. And Bruce is really fun to work with. He's yeah. Great. So, Contra the the biggest controversy I think uh, is do beans going chili, and I know that's still one. And I'm not going to ask you to play the song. That's been oh, done. No, it's not a controversy. 
you you are very steadfast on your opinion. That's not an opinion. It's a fact. Well, yeah. So, and I think you've I've heard you say this before. Explain it. It's super simple. Chili has meat in it. Does not have beans. Chili beans have beans in it. So, what you're eating, you're calling chili, is called chili beans. You are making the mistake. I am not. Okay. I'm literally. I I don't know. I'm just assuming that you eat beans and well, you, I do eat it either beans. way. I love chili beans. I'm not anti chili beans. I love chili beans. I make chili beans. You're just saying you're calling it wrong. You're calling it wrong. I don't care either way. I like it with beans or without beans. I go either way. No, 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 no. See, that's where you fuck up. Well, I, I you get can't what you're say saying. you like it with you like chili beans. I like chili beans and, and you I like, like chili. chili. That's it. Yes. Okay. So let me make sure I'm saying this correct. When I have chili, I like my chili with deer meat in it. When I have chili beans, it's because I like the kidney beans. Love it. Simple. It's pretty simple. I'm going to screw it up in 10 minutes. Say what? I'm going to screw it up and call it wrong in 10 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like gumbo. Like gumbo doesn't have tomatoes in it. No, it doesn't. Okay. Now, okay. Now I get what you're saying. People who put tomatoes in their gumbo, it's not gumbo. It's a goulash at that point. It's not even, I don't know what the fuck it is, but it ain't gumbo. Yeah. direction i don't so, know but no people like uh you know you're just calling it wrong yeah and uh it's just fact chili does not have chili is meat with uh chili powder and, and tomatoes and garlic and all that stuff yeah, yeah chili yeah. beans is i love chili beans it's just it's and realistically chili beans is when you just throw beans into it and it becomes chili beans at that Correct. point i might have to go back home to the hometown football game and let the concession stand uh family that's been doing it for 36 years let them know it's well, chili and the, and the, here's the thing is all you have to do is if you have chili, if you call it chili, just fucking put beans afterwards and yeah, then yeah. you're right. Or you can just go through life being wrong. And I really don't care if you're going <laughs> to, I don't care if you're wrong or not. I mean, I'm wrong all the time about stuff, but I'm not, I'm not wrong. Are you passionate about I'm this? not pa- Kent was, I wrote Kent that song was. for Kent. Yeah. Kent said, he said, if you put beans in your chili, you don't know beans about making chili. That and that's where it came quote. from. Yeah. And that's where the whole song came from. Yeah. It was an honor to Kent Finley after he died. How many people ask you about that? Uh, I just think it's funny because people like, they get so like confused when I go, no, 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 no. It's, it's chili beans. No, you're eating chili beans. I like, I like chili beans too. I love chili beans. Dude, fucking, I love cooking chili beans, but, but I like chili better. And you're like, what do you mean? Well, you like chili beans and that's great, but I like chili better than chili beans. But I mean, how, really, how many people have asked you that before? Oh God, it happens all the time. Okay, but it will it will definitely uh, have this discussion. I think it's important that people know. Uh, I'm glad we have it on here that they're uh, also you know wrong, <laughs> and they think they're right, and they're you're not right. It's just it's fact and fiction. It's fact. It's just a fact. So it's fact and misunderstanding. Feel free to Google it, and feel free to look at the Terra Lingo Chili Cookoff, and. Yeah, I love chili beans. I freaking love chili beans. I like chili too. I like both. Yeah, I like exactly. I like both. I'm not saying I discard one or the other. Just you just, just like to correct the improper terminology. Well, it's just like don't sit here and tell me that that uh, you're making chili because you're not. Right. Like don't piss down my neck and tell me it's raining. <laughs> it's another great. Don't, yeah, don't do that. That's another great. And then and line. then tell me that no, I have to cave because you don't know what the word chili means. I, no, I don't agree. I don't have to. No, no, You're no, just no. giving us You're the, the one that's wrong. I'm not wrong. You are wrong. Love this. I do not have to. I do not 
have to have to uh, come down to your level of incorrectness. I'm incorrect about tons of stuff, but I'm right on this one. I'll bite. Cool. I'll bite. Because I've been correct about a lot of shit all the time. And I usually say stuff. I'm happy wrong. to be wrong about stuff. I'll be the first to admit it. I'm not wrong about this. What's worse? An apple burn? Or what's the other one that they do up there? Apple burns or pickle burns? Pickle burns. That's the one I was thinking of. Which they're one? Both, I mean, I had my dance with that. They're both. They're both. Pickle burn, for sure, because it's not sweet. The sugar is what kills you on this. The, the, the apple burns are amazing, but the next one, the sugar, too. Being 35, that sugar, uh-uh. Tears you up. Yeah, you can't do it anymore. Remember, I'd never had a pickle burn in Lubbock. I've only been to Blue Light twice. I had it at the Dallas location, and I didn't care for the pickle burn. Yeah. But I'd, it tastes different at the Dallas location, to be honest with you. I don't know why. I think it does. They're going to be pissed I said that. but uh, And even like when people bring it to us, like it just tastes different. I don't know. Maybe it's just because when I'm in blue light, I'm always shit-faced. So <laughs> it definitely probably tastes different because I'm shit-faced. But, yeah. All right. Another another random topic that just came to mind. Is there still an ongoing battle uh, on who's getting ice between you and Flatland? No. That, they won that one. They won that battle. We actually found an ice in our bus the other day from that three years ago. Um, yeah, they got us pretty good. They got us pretty good. They went above and beyond. So they filled our bus up with like 400 Smirnoff ice, and they stuffed them everywhere. So, uh, no, no more no more of that. You can Plus, and the ice thing thing, like, what I realized is, like, my guys would ice other bands – and then I was all of a sudden I was getting iced all the time from like fans. Like they don't ice the band. They everyone ices me. Oh, it, it became a target. You became the target. Yeah, for and their- so I was like, I don't want to freaking drink this shit. Like every show, and so I just yeah tapered that one off. Yeah, conceded. Yeah, uh, that was that was Cotton Fest 2019? Mm, yeah. 18? 2019? 2019, Yeah. Yeah. Is it true that they got one in the safe in the bus? I don't think so. I'd hope not. <laughs> that would be disturbing. I would hope not, but honestly, I don't know. We found one the other day in the seat cushion still. Someone lost their phone. They reached down like, what is this? And they they uh, they reached down and grabbed. You, nobody drank that, right? I'm sure someone drank it. Oh, I'm God. sure it was passed on and someone else got iced. That's two out. I mean, yeah. two-year-old. Man, so I just wanted to tell you, Will, thank you very much for coming and doing this with me. This is all I like to do. I just want to sit and bullshit with yeah, friends. This is great, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, Godly Texas. Godly Texas, man. And so the way I like to end this is, like I told you, off mic, the name of the show is Off Mic, Off the Record. The off mic was the conversation we have. The off the record, which kind of actually works perfect in your situation right now, is something that hasn't been released or recorded. It may have been recorded, but I always ask the artist to play me a song that's that's deeply personal to them. Okay. That is something that maybe sits in the bottom of the case, you know, something like that. All right, so uh, this song I wrote with uh, Zane Williams and Max Stalling. It took about a year and a half to write this song. And uh, one of the best songs I've ever had in my hand in writing, um, honestly. So uh, this is one I'm super proud of. And it's probably one of the best songs I've ever written.
Give it your best Try not to regret the past It's a give and a take Some things you just can't take back I pulled you in just to push you away Searching for words that I know I should say but I wasn't expecting The thought of you leaving today I don't want you to go But God knows you need to And just so you know Well damn it I love you And I don't know why It all seemed to die in my arms You don't have to try house that I bought for you feels like a big waste of space I took a night off from drinking finally cleaned up the place and I've tried to be who you want me to be but you've tried to fit in this life that I lead so let's take a step back and try to breathe I don't want you to go But God knows you need to And just so you know Well damn it I love you And I don't know why It all seemed to die in my arms But you don't have to try to to let each other down and I don't want you to go but God knows you need to and just so you know damn it I love you and I don't know why it all seemed to die in my arms I don't want you to go but God knows you need so you know Well damn it I love you And I don't know why It all seemed to die In my arms But you don't have to try
Man, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. That is a really good tune. Thanks, man. I'm pretty it, proud of that one. Is that on the new album? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to hearing that. So, new album, do you have a release date set yet? No, I don't. Uh, man, but it's finished. We're finishing it up. I just don't know. Uh, I don't know, man. There's talks about waiting until next year, and we'll just see what – man, I just kind of trust management on that stuff. Just let them see where it well, rolls? Well, I really want to get, like – I really want to have, like, five or six music videos out. Like, I, I want to give everything I got on this record. I really believe in it. And I really want to, I'm putting some, I want to put some money behind music videos and, and really do it the right way. I've learned so much from the last records and this one, I want to like put everything I learned into releasing and do it this way. We've always been rushed and you know, with COVID being over, everyone seems to be putting out music and that's, that's awesome. I'm loving listening to it. And I think it's great. I think it's great for the country too, to have new music and stuff. I, I just, uh, I think I'm gonna let, I might wait for the dust to settle. I want to, I want to release, uh, in October, uh, Baker hotel and release on Halloween day. Uh, but we might just release the video because we're going to start the video next few weeks. So um, definitely let me know. I want to go be an extra. Yeah. I'll let you know. I'm actually, uh, I'm talking to my guy today about that stuff. So, um, yeah. Um, yeah, I'll definitely let you know. All right. Uh, williamclarkgreen.com for the tour schedule and all platforms, William Clark green music. Yeah. All right. Thank you again, sir. It's been fun to doing it. And until next time, friends, adios. Off Mic, Off the Record is a Blacktop Poetry production. For more insight into your favorite independent artists and all things behind the scenes and in between, visit blacktoppoetry.com. Our theme is provided by Austin Upchurch. Go check him out at austinupchurch.com. I'm your host, Aaron Bentley. And if you made it this far, you're either really bored or you fell asleep. Either way, thank you for your support, and I'll catch you next time. Adios. It's gonna be okay.